This is what's great about sports. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. This is without question the most comfortable red sweater I've had on in six years. Uh, playoffs? What are you doing with a school bag on stage? You can't even read. If I don't eat breakfast, I'm f***ing pissed off. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come around. Reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. The Nick Foles. it's a touchdown by Nick Foles. Alba inside. It's Messi. How's everyone doing? Let's make some noise. Come on. And good morning, afternoon, evening, midday, midnight, early morning, 3 a.m. Whenever you're listening to us, you are listening to the almost world famous wide open sports cast. Uh, we are recording on a Thursday, March 14th at 7.20 in the evening. And as always, you can find us, the Wide Open Sportscast, on Twitter at Wide Open underscore sports. And don't forget to give us a follow on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and tune in at the Wide Open Sportscast. My name is Feds, and joining me tonight on tonight's podcast episode, a special episode that we are doing for the Free Agent Frenzy, is none other than Monsieur Turnups himself, Joe the Goose Gleason Glee. How are you? Salut. So, um, Glee, I'm sure you're a very happy camper right now, obviously. <coughs> oh, absolutely. I'm sure we'll get into it. But uh, the Jets are surely, surely making their presence known in the uh, in the free agency pool, both before. I mean, again, we'll get into it with certain free agents. But not only was I glad that the uh, – the rumors came out because it made me excited, but also that they actually came to fruition with guys, certain guys backing out uh, of contracts or um, oral agreements. So it's good to see these guys finally signing contracts and it makes me feel like football is almost back. I know, right? Despite the fact that it's still a few months away and we're close to the baseball season, we know that when Rick and I recorded over the weekend, we said that we were going to be giving you some baseball, but we'll be getting into that once we get Paul back, uh, next episode, we'll be giving you our baseball preview. But we felt it was fitting uh, when we were talking that we need to give you guys a free agency and a podcast, a free agency podcast, and also a podcast to welcome in the official new NFL year. Um. I know we did a free agency last week, talked a little bit about baseball, predicted a little bit of football, but there's just so much going on that we really can't ignore it. So, Goose, why don't we jump into it? Ready Um, whenever you are. So, obviously there's so many stories, there's trades, signings, releases, all these different moves that we can really talk about. So, being 100% honest, it was very difficult this uh, episode to plan out who we should start with. But I think we're going to go with a local to the wide open sports cast, broadcasting and recording from the New York and Philadelphia metropolitan area, Odell Beckham Jr. What the fuck is going on? It doesn't make any sense to me, fans, whatsoever, from the Giants' perspective, and certainly from the rest of the league perspective. It's almost like they, it's almost like the Giants only want to deal with the Browns. Um, well, I'll let you, I guess, lay what exactly happened. 
Yeah, so obviously the – Olivier Vernon. Yeah, so when Olivier Vernon went to the Browns, obviously from the Giants, it was like, oh, okay, whatever. Lost for the Giants, not a big deal. And then I remember getting home from work and looking down at my phone and seeing – Odell Beckham Jr. has been traded to the Browns. I was like, shut up. Like, that was when that false report came out that Colin Kaepernick was going to the Jets. And people freaked out for like two seconds and they found out it was a parody account. But this was for real. And obviously the deal that has shaken the league was Odell Beckham Jr. to the Browns for a first round pick, a third round pick, and from... The victors, Michigan University, Jabril Peppers will be making his way to the Giants secondary. Now, here's my thing, right? Uh, is Jabril Peppers a good safety? Yes. Is he great, and is he going to replace Landon Collins for me? No. So, that's already like a tough player just to get for that. But, you get a 17th pick, you know, first round 17th pick. For arguably one of the best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver in the game at this moment. And you get a late third rounder for that as well. Right now, I believe it doesn't make sense. Maybe in the future it will, but right now I really don't know. How about you, Goose? Well, I guess you're looking more towards the future. I'm looking more at the past. You have a new GM come in last year, Dave Gettleman, who seems no-nonsense, um, old-school football guy. He's taking over for basically what was a small two-year two experiment, I believe, with Ben McAdoo, where it was supposed to be a revolutionary offense. They were going to revitalize Eli, and that didn't work. And like coach said, for a day. <laughs> that never left. Exactly. <laughs> and so – when you assess that, most people thought, oh, it was Ben McAdoo's problem that the offense was constipated and couldn't get anything going with all this talent. But when you see Pat Shermer come in, a guy who had some success with the Vikings, with Case Keenum, who we saw wasn't very good, and a Vikings team who last year, after losing Pat Shermer, looked terrible with supposedly a better quarterback, you, uh, in my opinion, it would, it, it's, an, it's not to do with the system. You've had two, two coaching Two different types of philosophies where the Giants just haven't been able to move the ball. And it comes down to Eli Manning is just older than dirt. And so what happens is the Giants, or specifically the owner, uh, the Mara family, they're not willing to come to terms with the fact that Eli's gone because it's the end of an era. And whether it's because they're too emotionally attached to Eli or because Archie Manny, Manning is the shadow commissioner of the league and pulls all these strings to have the Mannings uh, get away with things like uh, memorabilia issues or grabbing a trainer's ass in college, all the Manning problems disappear. But I digress. <laughs> so when you look at the past, the giant, like the, 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 the problem clearly wasn't OBJ. The clear, the problem is clearly Eli Manning and they're trying to get things done with a quarterback who personally can't get it done anymore. So then you have the scapegoat of, Oh, well not only, do, are we not getting anything going? But our receiver has blonde hair, and he's an he's an act on the sidelines. So let's trade him. The he's problem doing is drugs and smoking weed and oh, getting yeah. drunk with a stripper in his bed on Twitter. 
yeah, and dan- dancing or on a boat with boots and no shirt on. I mean, he just is anti. Like, if he was a Jet, I don't want to say the Jets would condone what OBJ does, but it kind of fits the mold. The Giants are this, you know, they think they're they're holier than now. Their shit doesn't stink, and so that stuff's not going to fly with Big Blue. And so what happens is he's the scapegoat. But again, the problem as I look is the past. If you if you were sane enough, or if you were, you know logical enough to realize that you weren't going to win with whatever you had, whether it is with Eli and OBJ, why extend OBJ? Why pay him 20, 21 and a half million dollars last year to only play. I think he only played 12 games. And that's the other thing too. Name me the last time he's finished a season. Well, and that, that, that could just be, you know, I'm not a huge look It's someone in OBJ. And if, if I'm the Browns, if, if he gives you 12 solid games, I mean, if he misses four games with the 12 games he's in, you know, he's he's over 100 yards in 10 of them. He has 10 touchdowns, which in 12 games would be phenomenal. If he gives you that, you're happy. I mean, it's it comes with the territory when you have a guy who plays the way he does. I mean, he for, – for the thing about – and I, I guess we're going to digress a little, but the thing about OBJ is – his big playability isn't Deshaun Jackson. It's not, I'm going to burn you for 60 yards and then catch the ball and then run the last 10. OBJ takes a slant across the middle and will break it another 30 yards, splitting two defenders. Correct. He has right? a great uh, yak. His ability for yards after catch and, and making guys miss in the middle of the field is – but, again, in the middle of the field. So that's where he, he does get banged up. I Look, I love OBJ as a player. Um, I think his antics are fun. I mean, he's just a weird guy. He, he says he doesn't like to drink water. It, it hurts his tummy. I mean, he, he's, he's a weird guy. Ace. He's a weird guy. But the problem is the Giants never had a grasp on the whole situation from the start. So you end up paying a guy $21.5 million last year. You realize whether it's his character or <clears throat> like if you're putting it all on him and you're saying it's his character or if you're being more real with yourself and you're saying, yeah, he's not an exact fit for the for a rebuild because let's face it. One positive is if you are going to rebuild as a Giants, you don't want a guy like OBJ around complaining he's not getting the ball. And if he is getting the ball and they're losing, it's just not good. But, again, how do you not recognize this? And you sign the guy, you pay $21.5 million this year, then you trade him, and you still have to pay him 16 The Giants, and then today, yeah, exactly. and then today they signed, and then today they signed Golden Tate. And they're going to give him $24 million guaranteed over the next few years. So let me get this straight. So instead of even – even if you messed up and you have OBJ in your team, you're telling me that instead of A, paying OBJ $17 million to be on my team and be as good as OBJ is, top three receiver, you decided to trade him but still pay him $17 million to be OBJ on a different team. And then, and bring then in on Golden top of Tate. that, you bring in Golden Tate and now you're paying him $12 million to not be Odell Beckham Jr. because he simply can't be. So no, really, name me, name me a good moment he had for the Eagles other than the game-winning touchdown catch against the Bears, which, again, isn't a game-winning touchdown catch if Cody Parkey doesn't switch jerseys and put on an Eagles jersey and double-doink. Absolutely. And it's and look, I like Golden Tate. He's, he's one of those guys where um, you said name me a moment. Tate's one of those guys where you don't need to get hit. Like some receivers, you need to get him the ball twice in the first quarter. So he sees the ball, he feels the ball, he gets into a rhythm. Or else he'll disappear for the whole game, like um, like, like certain receivers had, like certain high-profile receivers in the past have. Golden Tate, he can go uh, a few catches, like go um, catchless, I guess you would say, in the first half or touchless in the first three quarters, and then he'll come up with big plays. 
in the fourth quarter. He did that that game. I think that was his second or third catch yes, of the it game. Was. And and he came up with a big play. Doesn't drop. It's not like a Brandon Marshall. Like a Brandon Marshall, you got to get him the ball early and often. So he feels the ball because he he'll tend to drop the ball. If you don't pass Brandon the ball till the second half, you know you're going to see some drops probably. So I guess long story short, I, I it's not necessarily that they traded him. It's just the manner. It, it, and it's not even the man. I mean, the manner they went about it, like. People are making fun of. Oh, he said like two weeks ago. Oh, we're not going to tra- we're not going to sign Odell and then trade him. Like, well, yeah, I wouldn't expect him to show his cards and say we're shopping him because then you don't get anything. However, it's exactly what he said. Like, we signed him. Like, why would you? Tra-? It just doesn't make any sense to me. And and then again to follow up on it, then they signed Golden Tate today. And they've already committed their future to Eli again, which everyone knows by now. As you said, he's older than dirt. He's riding off into the sunset of his career. I do think, you know, because the other side of the OBJ argument is, again, that you're getting rid of that locker room distraction. You know, when I woke up yesterday morning and was watching SportsCenter before I got in the car to go to work, they had an entire montage of the long list of Odell's antics between all of the beef with Josh Norman, the beef with the kicker's net, and all the other stuff that he's gotten in trouble for, or at least created headlines that aren't about the game. Well, that's, well, that's, and and I just, sorry to interrupt, it's something I want to touch on, like, how much of his antics are really antics? I never find any of it, like to me, the biggest thing with Odell was when he said he didn't like to drink water and he was having dehydration issues this past year, like because that affects your on the field performance. To me, Odell, like that whole Josh Norman thing, I had zero problem with that. Like he lost his cool on one play, but uh, you know maybe I think the rest should just let the boys play. And it also affected me because Odell won me my semifinals in my fantasy league that year. In that game, because he put up 28, 30 points, because he still played well, and that's what I'm like. Some guys play well with an edge, and he always played well with an edge. So he had an edge that game to him. Then they suspend him, and then he didn't play in my finals for fantasy, and so I lost. But again, I digress. It's always the way it goes, right? <laughs> well, I mean, he got, me the there, he got me there, but then because he, he didn't play, he cost me this championship. But look, like my thing with Odell is like when, when a lot of this stuff, like you never heard once he's a bad guy in the locker room. Not one, like the only people who make up this stuff is the media saying he's a distraction. But if you talk to guys on this in the locker room, they don't think he's a distraction. Like guys like him, and maybe that's just because he he's appealing to more immature people in the locker room who think the way he does. And maybe it's just one collective they didn't give a fuck and they weren't you know as focused as they could. But in terms of being a bad teammate, I never saw it. I think I'm really curious to see how he does with the Browns because. Him and Jarvis have a history, so I don't see the two of them clashing, even though they, you know, they are kind of outspoken guys. But Baker, I'm curious to see how that works, man. I, you know, Baker, Baker will tell a receiver, you, like you messed up, you know. And and I'm curious to see how that dynamic works. And it's funny, you know, I, I don't know much about Freddie Kitchens, but it's a good thing that Todd Haley is out because that would have been that would have been something. But uh, I guess I don't, do you have anything else, or do you want to transition to? Uh, did, did you guys discuss that other top-level uh, top wide receiver that moved? Uh, we were about to jump into that, but before we jump into that, quick question for you. Browns, AFC contender, yes or no? Not division, AFC. No, the I, I have a feeling they will – I have to see what the Vegas line is. I'm actually going to look it up right now, but I think 
I would take them under nine wins um, if I was a betting man, just because it takes a lot to shake off the stink um, of a bad being a bad team. And Which they had that stink for a very long time. Well, and it's it's also a new it's completely new team coming together. I mean, well, I mean, not only is it OBJ, but you have Kareem Hunt. Who I don't know. Did they announce a suspension for him? Nothing yet. He's still just on the exempt list. Okay, so it's one of the oh, so exempt, so he can't play. Yeah, no, he's still like if you look up anything about the Brown signings, I haven't even mentioned him because he's still on the commissioner's exempt list, and there's still been nothing brought down on him yet. So the the Browns win total set at nine and a half, which I would pound the under. A team, any team winning 10, 10, 10 wins is tough, and especially in a division. Like that. I mean, the Bengals are going to be terrible, but I could see them splitting. You know, you split with the bank. You if they go three and three in the division, you know, which is what they'll do. I think you know, splitting with each team. Um, if they go three and three, that's already three losses. So then, then they have they have to go. What is it? Uh, seven seven and three the rest of the way. Yeah, just to get to that. So I I don't I don't see. A set, you know, seven and three non-division record is tough. So I, I, as a gambling man, I would take the under nine and a half. Um, but in terms of AFC, it's funny. I mean, I, th- I think the top three teams are the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Patriots. Um, and then the Jets at four. Um, Ooh, that is a hot take. I can't wait to get into that. In a little and bit. Uh, and then I, I guess Cleveland. I mean, honestly, Cleveland at five. I mean, who else would you consider? I mean, it's. I mean, maybe the Raiders. We'll see what that new look team is like. Uh, we'll get into some of their acquisitions, but yeah, um, actually, that's what we're getting into right yeah, now. I think, I think it really, yeah. And I guess uh, to, to close it out, you can't really determine what a team's going to look like until after the draft. Um, so we'll wait. Well, I guess we'll wait till then to make our our predictions on divisions. True. Good call there, Glee. Um. So speaking of. As you said, high-profile wide receivers. The other big move that was announced literally the day after Rick and I said that he would be going there is Antonio Brown to the Raiders for some late picks. Now, here is a pattern I have noticed between the Steelers and the Giants. Uh, Goose, you kind of got into it, and you were talking about the fact that the Giants – walk around like their shit doesn't stink. You know, they're one of the more, like, bigger franchises when you think of the league. And honestly, as far as the league, not much, not many franchises bigger than the Steelers. So the way that you could look at this is that you have two huge franchises who realize they have a wide receiver who at the moment, you know, I know you just gave your great take on maybe Odell wasn't a locker room problem. Maybe it's just the New York sports media being the New York sports media, but regardless, you have two wide receivers who are making more highlights and news off the field at the moment than on the field that you are getting rid of to take that locker room back for, Teams that have won by having a good locker room in the past. And that is kind of what I see with this move to Antonio Brown to the Raiders. Obviously, he did not leave on a good note. Had a lot of bad things to say about Roethlisberger on his way out the door. Basically saying how Big Ben acts like an owner. But now you have Antonio Brown heading over to the Raiders. Uh, What are you thinking of that move? Well, I'm, I'm really curious to see. I mean... If you look at it uh, from a macro perspective, they basically swapped 
uh, Amari Cooper for Antonio Brown and got a first-round pick and swapped, you know, a third and a fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, now, my one buddy pointed out, if you put him in the macro like that, obviously it looks like it's a great deal because uh, the Amari Cooper trade was so lopsided in our in most people's opinion. And especially so, look at what it did for Dallas and inspired them to a division title. He, well, no, well, I, I feel like Dallas – that was, I mean, I feel like most people when the trade was made thought Dallas got swindled. And then Amari played much, it wasn't that he played much better, but he just, there was an instant uh, spark. Yeah. They just didn't see with the Raiders. And so. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. You wonder if, if, um, if AB will have that spark with the Raiders. Uh, I'm curious to see how his personality does with John Gruden. Uh, and I'm also him. interested to see now, interested to see, you had Big Ben, who's won multiple Super Bowls, throwing you the ball. Now you got Derek Carr. I'm very interested to see that dynamic. You know, if he, you're going to walk out of Pittsburgh and have a lot of bad things to say about a guy who's won multiple rings, what are you going to say about Derek Carr? <laughs> well, I guess, but it's also different. I don't think... Antonio Brown never had a problem with the way Ben played. It was just the way Ben carried himself. I mean, I mean, besides the fact that Ben, you know, skated off, you know, sexual harassment or rape or whatever those charges were ten years ago, most people just forget about that. That he had that character issue. Then you then you look at the fact that the past few years he's he's chased off his top playmakers. I mean, he had he had a moment this past year where he blamed Juju Smith-Schuster for a play. He blamed Antonio Brown for a play at the end of games. These are things that normally a quarterback doesn't do. And so, you know, if you're a wide receiver, like, what is he supposed to say? Like, what, if Ben comes out and blames you as a receiver, if you come out and, and say, no, it's actually Ben's fault, the way Ben's treated in Pittsburgh as a god, you're going to be you're going to be vindicated anyway. So, like, I could see how that got old after a while. Um, so, and now to me, I, I'm actually excited to see how it works. And they also signed Tyrell Williams. So you and and the biggest thing with that does for the Ra- the Raiders is that now Jordy Nelson moves back to the third wide receiver position in the he slot. He has actually been released. Oh, was he? Yes, he was released. Oh wow, I didn't see that. Damn it, the cap scored three nothing. God <laughs> damn it. Sorry, I'm not gonna laugh at you. I'm a Devils fan. We're uh, towards the basement. I know my you're kind of in a point of push. Corner of my eye. Damn <laughs> it. Yeah, Jordy Nelson was released. It's Hart's game's first game back too. Damn. Sorry. Okay, I didn't know he was released. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll really see. There's no real way of like a. It's kind of you know you can only see so much about trades until you uh you know kind of see the guys take the uh. You know, take the ice or take the ice. I'm watching these flyers. Uh, take the field. So we'll see. I mean, again, we'll see how the dynamic works with Gruden. Because Gruden, a lot like Ben, I don't know if he's willing to like Derek. I, I'm not too concerned about the, the dynamic with Derek Carr. This is a guy who um, people were making fun of for quote unquote crying after the end of the game. Like he is emotionally into. I don't see him being a guy who uh, is willing to lash out. I, I, I see the two of them getting along. I'm more curious how Gruden and Brown will get along. Yeah, that will definitely will be interesting. Um, what do you think it does for the Raiders as far as competitiveness? Well, they're still in the toughest division in the AFC. Agreed, one hundred percent. Chiefs, Chargers, and um, the Broncos are still Broncos. never a slouch. No, you know? no, not at all. Not with that defense. And I mean, as much as people want to make fun of Joe Flacco, uh, the whole elite conversation. 
he is an upgrade from Case Keenum. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, from a skill standpoint, right now they're probably equal. Maybe I mean Case is maybe Case is maybe a little younger, so maybe he's a little more nimble. But I mean Flack, Flacco. I mean I'll take the head on his shoulders. You know he's been to a Super Bowl, so yeah. I, I I see them being a, a little better. Um, we're curious to see what they do in the draft. All right, here's the moment you've been waiting for, Glee. Are you ready? Uh, nope. Le'Veon Bell to the New York J-E-T-S Jets. Jets, 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 Jets. Um, you obviously just said the Jets are the fourth best team in the AV- in the AFC. Sure. Uh, um, so what do you think of the uh, big Le'Veon deal? Well, I absolutely love it uh, for multiple different reasons. Obviously, like, Jets had the second most cap space, $100 million dollars. They spent it, Mike McCagnan, and he spent it like a GM who is on the hot seat. I'm a little torn on if I'm I'm very anti-fire the coach, fire the GM. Um, he's had some questionable draft picks with um, Christian Hackenberg in the second round being atop of them, but he's Man, also found some the AAF. It's yeah, it's it's not great, Bob. Not great. So it's, but he's also hit on. He, in my opinion, he's made some sound draft picks. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're sitting at six back-to-back years and you get Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams. In my opinion, the two best players in both of those drafts. But going into the draft, I said that. And they both dropped to six. So they lucked out there, so most people won't give him the credit for that. And then some of his other high-profile picks haven't really panned out. So when he came in with a lot of head, you know, he came in, he made all those big signings with Marshall, uh, got Revis back, all, all that stuff. Fitz Pat, and then we had that little quick bust. So it, it was a it was a do or it, it is a do or die season for Mac. They certainly needed to see, and him getting Darnold saves his job. I mean, if he doesn't get Darnold, he didn't even make it to this off season. What so does Le'Veon do for Darnold? Well, Le'Veon is the best running back I've seen in my life, and it's very cool. And I, again, my life, so I never got to see Barry Sanders at a coherent age. You know where I could remember it. I, 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 he barely beats out Ladainian Tomlinson just because of the way. I mean, just the way that they move, right? I mean, he has the patience. I don't know if he's stoned out on the field, but his patience, where he just has the ability to sit in a hole and wait for it to develop, as an offensive lineman, I, I so much appreciate that because I could never. I hated when I'd be blocking a guy, and it might not be the right way. If you're on him, you're on him, and then you have a running back run right into him. It was just the worst feeling, and so. I'm I'm super excited. He helps Darnold more than again, like maybe Barkley and like. There's a very few other guys that can come out of the backfield the way Le'Veon Bell does, and so to have him as a security blanket, it it, it just means so much. And again, he didn't play last year, you know. So all this talk, and, and believe me, the Steelers did run him into the ground. You know, he gets 300, 300 touches a year, which most guys barely get 300 touches, and he did it for several years in a row, missing games. So he was banged up, but for him to get the whole offseason off, now hopefully he didn't, you know, munchie too hard in Miami and, you know, just yeah. sitting around smoking weed, doing jet skiing. I, I did hear he gained about 10, 15 pounds, which is okay because he, he was bigger in college actually, and then he lost a little weight coming into the NFL, and that's that's how he got a little. So I'm okay actually, especially as you get older. Maybe having a little more meat on your bones just helps you, uh, you know, absorb some hits. But uh, as long as he comes in in shape, and I think that's another great, great, great thing the Jets did. They put the deadline out there. They wanted to get him signed. 
now they can get him into OTAs, get him back and, you know, get him thinking about football again. So right, and get him moving because he's had so much time off. Exactly. You got to and not, and not, not necessarily, and you know, again, I'd like to think he's moving on his own, but get him moving with the team. I think that's the biggest thing. So I'm really, really happy. Um, I mean, the Jets made other, I mean, just real quickly, I don't know if any of these were on your rundown, but I'll just uh, briefly say, you know, they got CJ Mosley, the best linebacker in the draft. They Jets have always had good linebackers for until yeah, three. CJ Mosley was definitely a good pickup for them. I definitely and until agree with three, you on that. They, they didn't, they always had good linebackers. You know, they had David Harris, Bart Scott. They had guys in the middle that could just control the team. Can't and, wait. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you had the two of them for only three or four years, but they were, I mean, they both of them never came off the field. So now you have Jamal Adams who with, with a, with a linebacker right in the center of the field, Jamal can play off the, the edge like he likes to, you know, press, run out with a running back or a tight end or come after the quarterback on passing down. So really excited. Uh, the team's shaping up. Uh, I can't wait. Can't wait. I mean, honestly, he could, he could be the next in a line of great jet running backs. I mean, I'd obviously say that this is probably the best running back that jets have had since the Curtis Martin days. Mm-hmm. They did have LT for two years. And most people will say, I mean, he did split the split. The backfield was Sean Green, who, again, at the time, I remember drafting Sean Green fourth overall in fantasy, and it was a terrible decision because that was that, that was that was peak Sean Green the Not year as before. Not as bad as Darren Sproles second overall senior Ooh. year of college. Ooh. Yeah, I remember that at Hooters. That was funny stuff. <laughs> funny stuff. Um, but, yeah, LT, again, I mean, just the way LT moved, the way he blocked, the way he commanded the huddle. Um, I'll never forget how happy he was when the Jets beat the Patriots in the playoffs, which is the only time he beat the Patriots uh, in the playoffs. He was, oh my God, so happy. It was Le'Veon, or I'm sorry, LT was the best running back I had seen until I saw Le'Veon Bell. And that and that includes, look, Saquon Barkley's a freak. I'm going to have to see it for a few more years just to, until I get to the point. But again, Le'Veon, just his vision is by far the best vision I've ever seen. Before we jump into our next uh, big free agent offseason move, Saquon, Le'Veon, I don't know why I'm asking this question to you. Who's the king of New York for running backs? Well, simply age, Barkley. But again, and we and I, I guess we didn't touch on this, but with the Giants now, I mean, what do they have on offense? I mean, yeah, they have Shepard, they have Ingram, they have Tate like they just signed. They're going to ruin Saquon Barkley. Uh, I talked to all these Giants fans, and they're like, oh, we didn't need Darnold at two. We drafted the best running back. He was the best player in the draft. And I tell them, okay, what does that get you? You know, like, you're going you're gonna to run this guy into the ground. Like, here's the thing. If a quarterback's on a bad team for two or three years, by that fourth or fifth year, if you have a team around him, as long as he didn't take 45 sacks every season, his body will be intact. He will be – and he'll be better at that point in his career, his fourth or fifth year. If you're a running back and you're going through a rebuild through your first, second, third, and fourth year, that, by that fifth year, you're going to be – you will not be better than who you are, especially if you don't have anyone to take the eyes off you. The defense is going to have, you know, 16 eyeballs on them at all times at minimum. And so I think right now it has to be Barkley. And, again, a year off, like I'm saying, I'm hoping Le'Veon's fresh, but – I don't see it until, you know, realistically, it's going to take him a few games to get in. So statistically looking forward to next year, Barkley's going to have a better year, in my opinion. 
But five years from now, I wouldn't be surprised. I would not be surprised if Barkley is as effective as Bell is because, like I just said, I mean, you talk. People talk about Le'Veon getting too many touches. I mean, Barkley is just going to get run into the ground, and I feel so bad for the guy because he. It could ruin his Hall. Of, I'm not even kidding. It could ruin. It could ruin his Hall of Fame career the same way Ricky Williams's Hall of Fame career was. Dave wants that. He used to run him into the literally not. I'm, and I talk about touches because nowadays running backs get the ball. They catch it out of the backfield. They're in space more. Yeah, exactly. Which gives it's not him, just run down the middle. Exactly, and it gives him a chance to get out of bounds and not even take a hit at all. Right. So back in the day with Ricky Williams, man, he would run it 30, 35 times a game up the middle. And it just it just ruined his body. And a Hall of Fame running back never will have a chance to be in the Hall of Fame. And I fear Barkley's going down the same path. Very hot take there from Glee. Even though I thought when I said I don't know why I'm asking this question, I thought you were saying Le'Veon easy. Well, I said no. I said, I said if you had to choose, I mean, if you had to choose one or the two to be in your to be on your team, you're choosing Saquon. Barkley right now, yeah. You I'd have to just. And 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 now if Le'Veon didn't have the two different knee injuries, it's a different story. But considering that, it's a no-brainer. Excellent. Well done, Goose. And before we get into some Goose bets, and then we'll begin to wrap up um, by running down some other very notable signings and give a brief talk about those. Um, the Saint. It's hard to be a Saint in a city, but it – is definitely not hard to be St. Nicky Foles in Philadelphia. Even though St. Nick has signed a deal for 22 mil a year with the Jaguars. Um, and the Jags, of course, have responded by releasing Blake Bortles. But, man, I hope Blake Bortles' facts on Twitter keeps going. Um, Glee, I They're never of, wrong. They're never wrong. No, dude, they're never, never wrong. wrong. Blake Bortles... Right, has thrown less interceptions in the Super Bowl than Tom Brady. And it's Blake a fact. Bortles has never lost a Super Bowl to Tom. Oh Brady. yeah, well, that's that's a given. Yeah, he's, he's the boat. Yeah, um, but I kind of hit on this uh, last episode. If you guys and all of our listeners had tuned in, but here's my thing with Nikki again. Right, um, name me outside of Philadelphia where he's been successful. Um, Rams, I mean, the Chiefs. Yeah, I though I thought didn't he have success for that half season with the Rams? He did until Jeff Fisher kicked the door down in the quarterback's film room and said, "Nick, you're done. Case, you're starting." And walked really? Out. Yeah, that's how it went down. I read it. It was in Foles' book, dude. I love Nicky, and I even love the amount of shade that he indirectly threw at Chip Kelly. Because he wrote this huge thank you letter to everyone, including like the janitors, the sports science doctors, and every single part of the Philadelphia Eagles organization. And he even said at the end of his letter, I want to thank Chip Kelly for trading me because I wouldn't be where I am if he never traded me in the first place. It was a 30-second phone call. Uh, he was in the – He was in the – weight room working out after he had injured his collarbone and chip kelly called him he's like hey dude how you feeling and he said great i'm in the weight room right now i'm in a great mood i'm feeling amazing i can't wait for the season he goes great you've been traded in the rams thanks hung up fuck chip <laughs> kelly Jeez. well chip was the worst i mean he did it to what Deshaun too yeah well, well we'll get into that in a little bit after some uh goose polls but 
I'm very happy. Nikki deserves a stir oh, a starting. <laughs> Nikki deserves a starting job somewhere in the NFL. He really does. And from the Eagles standpoint, the move makes sense. You're not going to give your backup quarterback $20 million after you've already invested so many draft picks and so much movement in Carson Wentz, who was an MVP candidate and who I still confidently believe in will come back stronger this season. You know, he came off of a short rest of an ACL, LCL injury and still wasn't 100%. I'm confident he's going to be 100% this year and we're going to have our good old Wentzy back. But this move makes sense for both sides. Nick deserves a starting job. Obviously, he's a Super Bowl MVP. He's never going to have to buy beer in Philadelphia ever. Yeah! Sorry. Yeah, it's huge. I definitely thought you were cheering for Nick Foles there for a second. No, no, JVR, 2-1. But um, what do you call it? I definitely, definitely think for both sides the move makes sense. What about you? Well, I mean, from the Jaguars' perspective, it's an instant upgrade. I mean, everyone's pointing out the cash value, but, I mean, where else were they going to spend the cash? I mean, I, I, I think from uh, from their perspective, it makes sense. I mean, from Nick, well, Nick Foles' perspective, it's a great way to cash in that extra. I mean, I don't know. How much was guaranteed? It was an $80 million contract, but how much was guaranteed? I actually did not see that number. Let me see what I can find as I – Fact check. I mean, the downside is like, you know, if Nick Foles hypothetically retires right now, he's big dick Nick, right? Like he's, he's forever, forever big dick Nick. Well, to Philly, he'll never lose his place to the Phillies fans, but even to the national audience, you know, he's he's big dick Nick. If he goes to the Jaguars, I, I mean, I don't see him being worse than Bortles, so I don't see it being an issue. It's 50 but, mil guaranteed. Yeah, I would take fifty million to uh, on the off chance that Big Dick, uh, the aura of Big Dick Nick is uh, erased. I would take fifty million. That would be nice. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, again, we'll see. I mean, that divi- that division, they're getting better. I mean, we say it every year, but we're, I mean, they're getting better. I mean, the Colts, the Colts obviously look really good. I mean, the Colts had more money than the Jets, and they've they've done nothing besides. I think no. they signed. Debt- Funches to like a fifteen million dollar deal, which is a joke. I was going um, through like what every team has done, and I noted nothing for the Colts. They they, they must not have wanted Le'Veon because the Jets lowballed Le'Veon or you know offered Le'Veon what less than what he wanted, and I guess the whole league just was scared of his leg or scared of his you know mentality. I, I'm not exactly sure, but and you got to include in there the fact he had a year off, and like you said, was just living the life in Miami. Yeah, but that that works both ways. I mean, the guy the guy literally. Like he's he's fresh, you know. Like he he hasn't taken hits in you know eighteen months, right? Like it's it's I I I don't look at the layoff like I the layoff would be a, the layoff would have been a concern if he held if he had held out like if Le'Veon came and said nope no one's giving me the number I want even the Jets are still low I want you know a hundred million dollars I want sixty million guaranteed instead of 30, 60 you got, I'm going to hold out until July, then sign. Then that's an issue because then you got, a, you know, a month to get him in you know, shape just to even see him in preseason. And then by that point, there's the questions to even play him in preseason. They, they avoid all that. And 
that's why I was very happy to, to, to get it done. Do you think that Nikki Six is the missing piece for the Jags? Well, I would have said two years ago. Um, I would have said two years ago when they made that run. Um, I guess they lost to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. Yes, they did. They were um, hoping to finish the job. If, if Nick was on that team, I think they go to the Super Bowl. I think they beat the Patriots. The problem is they're not the same Jaguars team. I mean, Leonard, Leonard Fournette, I mean, God, it's only been, you know, 18 to eighteen to 24 months, and he he already looks like an old man, by the way. I mean, I don't think he – last year he came in to the Jets game in the second quarter and then left in the third quarter. Like, it, you know, he hasn't been the same. They've lost Malik Jackson. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, the, I feel like we saw with Seattle, it's very, dif- it's very difficult to – have a team stay together once you have to pay the, the quarterback, right? right? You know, like when you have the – that's what the Jets are trying to do. Once you have the rookie oh, – the quarterback on the rookie contract, you have the money to spend elsewhere, okay? The Jaguars just had to spend a ton of money to get the quarterback. So, you know, you're not going to see them and beefing up anything, and that's why you saw guys like Malik Jackson leave. So, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I still think they're the third best team in that division. I think they're better than Tennessee with with, with Big Dick. Um, I thought they were the fourth best team with Big Dick or without him with uh, Blake Bortles, but I still think the Texans and the uh, the Colts are better. Yeah, the, the, and the Titans, you can never count them out. They were a game away from making the playoffs. The, you know, that Colts-Titans game week 17 came down to who you think was going to win. You know, yep. it came down to whoever won made the playoffs. So it is a very strong division uh, and keeps getting better. So I do agree with you with that. All right, so before we get into the rest of the people I have on my list, and we'll wrap up by giving them a brief description of how we think they're going to impact their teams, let's get into some goose polls with Monsieur Tiernuff's The Goose. Uh, Glee, what do you got for us this week your, as far your as French the accent, world? Your, friend, your French accent is killing me, by the way. Monsieur. Right. Monsieur. Monsieur. No, Monsieur. Monsieur. Monsieur Tiernuff's. Okay. Um, um, what do you got in the world of sports betting for us this week? Alright, ladies and gentlemen. So, the biggest thing that is happening this week in the gambling world is the Players' Championship. Uh, some people like to refer to it as the fifth major in golf, which I think is silly. Um, but there is reason to it. What do you Lots think is the fifth major? No, no, there are – I think fifth major is a silly term. There's four majors, just like in tennis. There's four majors in golf. You have the two Opens, the Masters, and the PGA Championship, yep. which I'll be going to at Beth Page Black in May. Dude, that's so, awesome. Yeah, can't wait. Um, so the reason they do call it the fifth major is because the Players' Championship has always had a mystique about it. It is the largest purse of – any of the tournaments in professional golf, 12 and a half million, the winner takes home two and a half million. So um, there's certainly reason for it to be called the fifth major, but also it's because they, they play them at um, any of the TPC. That's what uh, I guess a little golf lesson. TPC is the players championship. There are several TPC courses. Uh, the most famous is T- TPC Sawgrass, which is where they're playing this year in, in, Jacksonville. So a beautiful course. There's TBC Scottsdale, which is where they played about a month and a half ago for the Phoenix Open. But I digress. So they're playing at the 
Players Championship course in Sawgrass in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, currently, after a day of play, Tommy Fleetwood is minus seven. Keenan, Keegan Bradley came in at minus seven, which was surprising. Tommy Fleetwood, uh, not too surprising. He always has a good round or two. He's always good for uh, a solid, you know, 63, 64 um, in any tournament. So he had his today. When I look at the uh, the betting landscape, it's pretty funny. They're, they're, they're not giving much respect to the people at the top of the board. So as I speak to you on Thursday night, I won't tell you – I like to uh, play what's called three ball. So as guys tee off in threesomes, you pick one guy in each of the threesomes to win. Very favorable odds uh, for even the favorite in each of the matchups. But I guess I will not know when you are listening, listeners. So I would say in terms of the match betting or the outright championships, as I said, Tommy Fleetwood minus seven, Keegan Bradley minus seven. Rory is still the favorite. He's at minus five, which is very surprising. Uh, he's at plus 600, so he's at six to one. I would stay away from that, especially when you can get Fleetwood, who's two strokes better at six to one. But also, like I said, Keegan Bradley played fantastic today. Uh, you can get him at 12 to one. So I would say there, I mean, if you want to, and again, this is one of my favorite things. The last time I was on here, I gave you three golfers, and I gave you a ratio of five, three, and one. That added up to nine units. If you place those on the golfers, you would have made $9 to $9 of any of the three won. And one of the three won, by the way. It was a beautiful Justin Justin Thomas win. So I just, just to uh, – yeah, we're going to have to start keeping track on Twitter just so people know that this isn't just a – you know, I know what I'm talking about, especially with golf. But uh, I would say pick, pick one of those two. Um, as I scroll down, there's some really funny names that are playing well. Uh, Charles Howe, if you can get him to get top 20. I've done that the past few weeks, and it's paid off nicely. So Charles Howe is sitting at 13th now. Um, those are the things I look for when I'm betting golf is to finish top 10s, top 20s. So um, to avoid any more rambling, Feds, do you have any questions? Or I guess I can move on. Nope, hit us with your college basketball stuff. Awesome. So college basketball Phenomenal today. I was sitting at work, you know, checking things, slipping in a few few half-unit bets here and there. 53 games on this Thursday. So I guess I want to point out some Friday games. Hopefully some people listen before then. Uh, there's some there's some really good matchups tomorrow. Rhode Island versus VCU. VCU is favored by 7.5. I've taken Rhode Island a lot this year. 7.5 seems a little – VCU is very good. I would probably ride it with URI. Uh, I've done it all year. I like seven and a half, so I'll tell you guys to do that. Another one I see at one o'clock tomorrow on Friday, LSU ranked number nine in the nation. It's playing Florida in the quarterfinals for the SEC. They're, they're only giving two and a half points. I like you, LSU there. Uh, obviously, there's a scandal going on right now with them, but I like LSU there. As we scroll through, it's a tough time right now with Champions Week because – the matchups aren't necessarily determined until the games are finished today. Right. Um, there, there's a funny game of, of rivals, Wisconsin-Nebraska, tomorrow. I would take Wisconsin anything less than minus nine. Uh, Nebraska, I would just completely stay away from. Buffalo is a very good team. Minus, they're 18th in the country. It is the semifinals for the MAC, not the AA MAC. 
that uh, Ryder is accustomed to. But yeah, oh god, they're terrible. Uh, Iona won it again, um, and I think I Iona is, and and it's not a great sign. I guess a quick two or three years ago, for several years leading up to last year, the MAC winner was getting anywhere from a 14 to an 11th seed, right? Because there was some respect. They were playing one or two respectful teams. Each team, you know, was playing one or two respectful teams. And they were getting some like respect. like a few years ago, Iona got in and Monmouth got in, got an at-large yeah, bid. they got the exact – that's what I'm saying. Like the winner came in at like an 11 or a 12. The other team comes in as a 15-16. What's happened is they changed the scheduling up to a point now where – they're playing a lot of good teams. It's not just the usual two teams. You can get up for them. You know, Ryder, Ryder played like six, six, six top fifty teams. Yeah, I'm not, they you know, the season with UCF. Oh yeah, they played UCF, uh, VCU. Like they played really good teams. And so, what's happened is it's kind of taken a negative spin where the MAC is looked down upon because people instead of saying, oh, well, they played these two good games. And they went one and one. It's they're playing these six games, and they went two and four. You know what I mean? So that looks worse. So anyway, so Buffalo's minus twelve against Central Michigan. I'll take that. Buffalo blows everyone out, and that's another bad team. Central. I mean, Central Michigan's twenty three and ten, but just doesn't have the the uh, the resume that Buffalo does. And so I'll, I would definitely take Buffalo. Another excellent game tomorrow is Villanova and Xavier. Now Villanova's minus six and a half. I would say my heart is saying. Villanova, my head's telling me Xavier, so naturally I go with the heart, take Nova, minus six. And really, like I said, a lot of the other games are they're to be determined. A lot of the matchups haven't been uh, finalized because of what's going on today. So um, I guess a quick recap on some of the NBA stuff. The, uh, the Sixers are in that third seed. So that's pretty big. Uh, yeah. What? Playing the Nets? Nah, I mean, Brooklyn right now is currently sitting at the six, a half a game ahead of the Pistons. Uh, they're four and a half up on the nine, which is the Magic. But the Nets have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA. Uh, yeah. They're on a West Coast trip. They were doing well against the Thunder last night until Westbrook's going to Westbrook. Uh, 30-point triple-double. <laughs> Not really much you could do about that. Um, so they're on a West Coast road trip right now, seeing like the Blazers, the Clippers, the Lakers, uh, a couple of those big dogs. And then they come back and they literally wrap up the season. They go Bucks, Raptors, Bucks, Pacers. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's the other thing. The six, the Pacers have a very tough schedule. The Sixers do not. Uh, the Sixers play a lot of under 500 teams. So I'm pretty happy about the, the that. The net schedule on the way out is loaded with playoff teams Damn it. they're really gonna own uh, earn their spot like the flyers are gonna have to because it looks like the caps just scored again it's okay joe we're here for you yeah you know um yeah so with that glee what i'm gonna do with our last 10 minutes here is we're gonna run down i'm gonna give you a list of some other notable signings because of course again um, there's been a lot of big movement within the NFL as the new year has opened for the season. So give me a brief description of how do you think this player is going to impact their new team? Uh, let's start with Tyron Mateo, Honey Badger to the Chiefs. What are you taking there? Well, I like Honey Badger. I mean, they lose, so they lose Eric Berry. Um, and 
you know, he, he, he obviously had some intangibles in the locker room that, you know, as an older presence and emotionally what he meant to the team coming back from cancer that he, uh, Honey Badger just won't naturally be able to fill. But I was reading something where he, they keep track of stats of where players line up. He lined up in like, you know, six, seven different positions last year on the defensive side. So um, it's, it's kind of funny. So I think, I think he'll be able, especially a defense that was just giving up 40 points points a game i think he'll be able to help he's a little more youthful than eric berry here's another uh, shocking release or movement from a team that has signed eric weedle to the rams oh uh, wendell yeah he's solid he um and again he's another guy you know he had heart and soul massive beard he was a guy who played with a lot of fire uh with baltimore baltimore decided to move on and now where did he sign the rams he's with the Rams. i think he yeah, I think he fits right in there. I mean, you have some good good corners there. I don't know who played safety for them. So, without with, speaking out of turn, I want to say it's an upgrade just because he's a great player. Uh, he's getting up there, mm-hmm. but uh, great signing. Speaking of the Ravens, uh, Ravens replaced him with Earl Thomas and also signed Mark Ingram. Big move for the Ravens there. Yeah, I think the Ravens probably made out sneaky, quiet best of this uh, first week of free agency. Um, you know, you saw the massive contract Le'Veon got, even though it was smaller than what he wanted. The Ravens got Mark Ingram for a fraction of the cost. And then they got a... Who's a very serviceable back. back. Oh, absolutely. More than serviceable. He's a great great running back, I think. I think, he, I think he's easily a top 30 running back. I mean... Um, but anyway, so they, they get they get him at a great contract, and then you look at Earl Thomas, who they saw the quarterback on the offensive side leave with Joe Flacco, um, but then you know because because they have Lamar Jackson, but then they get a quarterback for their defensive unit. I mean, Earl Thomas is the best safety I've seen. Well, two different positions between Cam Chancellor and and Troy Polamalu, but in terms of a center fielder, I haven't seen a guy play like that since Ed Reed. Um. For the Super Bowl 52 champions, Deshaun Jackson and Malik Jackson to the Bird Gang. What are you thinking there? Oh, well, Jackson Bros. Yeah, no, they'll be great. I mean, Howie, Howie doesn't necessarily draft well. In fact, some would say he's a terrible drafter. But no, they were they were actually talking about that on the Fanatic this morning about um, the moves that they were going to make because when you look at especially the running back position, they were talking about like Jay Ajayi, are we bringing him back and all these other moves. For the Eagles, they're talking about the fact that Howie's drafts really haven't been that great, but his signings have been out of control. Um, and they were predicting that if they're well, going to sign, too. yeah, they were saying that if they're going to make a signing between a linebacker and a running back, they would get a linebacker, and they got LJ Fort today. Um, but focusing on Deshaun Jackson, I think that's a great move for them. Uh, obviously the biggest problem last year was the fact that they did not have a deep threat because Mike Wallace got hurt before literally the season even started. So he didn't have a deep threat all season. Um, so Deshaun Jackson adds that he's still got pace. He's like, you said, he's that type of guy. He's not like Odell. Who's going to catch a slant and make 30 yards after it. He's going to burn you over the top and run it in. And Malik Jackson now joins an already loaded defensive line with the re-signed Brandon Graham. Uh, Fletcher Cox and Derek Barnett and Chris Long coming in on third downs. Well, I think Malik Jackson will be coming in on third downs. So he was he uh, he only played about sixty percent of the snaps last year. So then you got Ngata because Tim Jernigan left. Yeah. Okay. True. 
Yeah, so that's why I that's why I see Malik Jackson getting more reps because Malik Jackson was basically Tim Jernigan's uh, replacement there. Okay. Um, Landon Collins and Case Keenum to the Redskins. Landon Collins, you said? And Case Keenum. I didn't. Okay, yeah. Is now that is official? Did he sign? Like, how did that? Landon Case Collins, Ke- yes. Landon Collins and Case Keenum are both. I didn't see Case Keenum. How much did Case he sign? Case Keenum isn't official yet, but that's what I'm saying. He didn't like, sign. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I think. I mean, Landon. Look, I mean, the Giants didn't want to pay what he had to pay, what what he wanted, or what he was due. Um, the Redskins overpaid him certainly, but that's what Dan Snyder does. So we'll see. I mean, you know, for, as I said with Case Keenum, you know, it sucks. He's obviously a downgrade from Alex Smith, but what else was there out there? No, I mean, Alex Teddy Bridgewater would be over. Oh, absolutely. So who do you go for? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater is better than Case. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater went back to the Saints. No, no, no. He, that was false, uh, fake news. Really, I thought, I thought actually, that was official. Inter- no, no, it was fake news because yesterday he interviewed with the Dolphins. No, I saw today um, that he interviewed with the Dolphins and decided to return back. Oh, is that official official then? Uh, let me fact check you on that, but I'm pretty sure I saw that this yeah. morning. Because it was on Wednesday they announced that he was... Yes, the rumors uh, are that he visited the Dolphins, but he agreed to a one-year, $7 million deal with the Saints. Okay, interesting. Uh, so he'll be back there, and then Tyrod Taylor, another option, signed with the Chargers. Okay, interesting. Um, Cole Beasley and Frank Gore to the no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. I just think it's funny. I mean, the Bills are doing what they can. You know, they're, they're trying to give Josh Allen some weapons and they'll give some credit. I mean, the only thing is those are two aging guys. So, you know, hopefully the veteran presence helps Josh Allen. But it's a long season. We'll see if they make it. Haha, Clinton Dix to the Chicago Bears. Well, you know, just another another playmaker on a great defense. Um you know, I, I don't think it helps their glaring needs of, you know, the offense is a little constipated. Well, Nagy has a great offense, but I'm not a huge Mitch fan, so I kind of wanted to see them get another weapon. I mean, if they got Le'Veon, that would have been uh, game over. But, yeah, they had, they beefed up an already great defense. Uh, Danny Amendola on his way to the Detroit Lions. Yeah, it's an, I guess they're pairing an aging wide receiver with an aging QB. Um uh, you know, I don't, I don't expect much there. No, especially in a division that has the Bears. The Vikings are still, you know, a pretty higher class team in the NFC, even though if they completely choked. And it was funny because they're another joke again in the city of Philadelphia for another year. Um, and the Packers are the Packers, especially when they have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. Um, Michael Bennett being traded to the Patriots from the Eagles. Very surprised happened in a trade. Uh, what did the Eagles get? A couple late round picks. Yeah, yeah like a six and seven. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, yeah. I mean, it makes. I mean, I heard something that the Eagles weren't didn't want him around. I don't. I, I don't know if it was because of salary. I mean, I, I thought he was making salary uh, was a big part. They asked him to cut down a little bit because obviously the Eagles are very very close with the um, salary cap. And he said, no, I want more than what I'm already making, which is a decent amount, so that's why they traded him. Yeah. Well, he's at that point in his career where, like, you know, he can – you know, he's won a Super Bowl, so it's like he wants to get paid, I guess. And not only 
I don't know. Did he get paid more with the, the Patriots? Or I guess he's just – I guess his, his mindset was, well, if I'm going to make this much, I might as well make it with the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then let's wrap up with Latavius Murray replacing Mark Ingram in the Saints' backfield. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they had a nice uh, balance between Ingram and Camara, uh, so – I don't. I, I from what I hear, I never really saw it, but people are saying Murray has a similar skill set to Ingram. I thought he was more balanced. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, I think at the end of the day, Kamara is your one running back. If your two is above average, like Murray is, that's a great backfield. So perfect. Well, Goose, that was our special talk on the opening of the new NFL business here. Uh, it's almost, I feel like, uh, spring or I feel like, uh, training camp's almost here. Yeah, dude. I, I, I can't wait. I was already rewatching, um, Eagles highlights. I'm already yeah! excited for this year. Just how Sorry, you're as excited because the Flyers scored again. Yeah. Well, they're down four, two still. It's bad. Sorry. Eh, a lot of time, dude. Hockey became a very high scoring game. So there's a lot of time left. Um, again, ladies and gentlemen, you have tuned into the almost world famous, Wide Open Sportscast. Uh, thank you for giving us a tune in today, tonight, whenever you are listening to us. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Wide Open underscore Sports. Make sure you give us a shout. Tell us what you think of our free agent calls. And don't forget that you can find us on SoundCloud, Google Play, iTunes, and tune in as well. And we're looking forward to hearing and seeing you soon as we will be back with our baseball preview in the very near future with none other than Paul Arcool the third. Um this is Feds. Goose. Thanks for joining everybody. Have a great night. Do you believe these guys are our future leaders in America? Thank you so very much for all the appreciation and all the great moments that we've experienced together. You stay classy. That's all folks.